the pre-W. Smith Show with Jeff Sloan, ahead of the Paul W. Smith Show at 6 on 760 WJR. All right. It's, um, it's early November. That's the time to be well, talking about the World Series. But more importantly, certainly uh, as it relates to our lives here in the state of Michigan, we're talking about politics. We're covering politics. Let me ask you guys. You know, this political season is really heated up now. And you turn the TV on, and it seems, uh, Mark, you made a point of this a couple of days ago. You said the ads just seem to be nastier and nastier. It's time to take the gloves off, right? They're, they're coming down toward the finish line, the last round, whatever metaphor you want to use. This is it. You got Tudor Dixon closing in on Whitmer, races tightening. It's time to get serious. Here we go. And the ads get nastier. When you see a commercial and you're trying to decide which candidate, you know, is, assuming you're, that's where you are with your thinking with respect to how you're going to vote, does it have any effect on you when these candidates go after one another and say these nasty things? Or do, you, do you say, that's just, you know, that's bonk, doesn't mean anything? Definitely bonk. Yeah. yeah. Both ways. It's, I can't <clears throat> believe they get away with being able to do that. I was thinking of that last night. They mm -hmm. should just, why don't they talk about what they're going to do? Exactly. It kind of muddies up their points also. When it really does. That's a good know, point. You right. can't, I mean, they call it mudslinging for a reason. Right, yeah, <laughs> right, right. But it does. It makes it actually harder to sort through everything and harder to listen to what their message is and what their points are that or their platform is that they're standing on when they start bashing back and right, forth. Right, It convolutes right. everything. It's Right. Could you imagine if they do that with, like, restaurants? Competing with each other. Oh, don't eat that hamburger. <laughs> that guy died last night of a heart attack. Right, right, right. right. That's Mark, true. that's a good that's a good point. So what that does, so Mark, the point that you just made makes a point about advertising, whether it be for a commercial establishment like a restaurant or whether it be a politician running for office. And you're trying to get information that you can use that sound, that means something. And it's so hard now, given the environment that we're operating in, in the era of, you know, advertisements gone awry and getting ugly and mudslinging, like you said, Kristen. And at the same time, fake news everywhere, fake news sites, fake news, this, fake news, that. How do you get your arms around what really means something these days? And it's really difficult. Well, we had a chance to talk to Wayne Friedman. He's uh, the West Coast editor of a publication called Media Post. He published an article recently. We had got a chance to interview Wayne talking about how difficult it is now to get information you can use to really make a sound decision on how you're going to vote. How do you do fact-checking? Wayne, you got to help us out. Tell us about this. Well, the problem is when it comes to viewers and I believe the amount of time they have available to go from one source to another, even to fact check themselves, what's true and what's not. Very difficult, for a shorter time. Hey, journalists can't even do it that well. So you know, how do you expect the average citizens to possibly do this? So they go to their favorite echo chamber of their choosing, and they just stay in there, and they're like, okay, I'm done for the day, I got that, and um, they move on. They basically hear what they want to hear. But mind you, here's the interesting side effect that's happened over the last couple of years, Supposedly, fact-checking sites have now grown to almost 188 fact-checking sites around the world, some 60 or so in the in U.S. and Canada, some 60 in Europe. So there is this real interest, at, at least from uh, publishers, that this is what the public will eventually want or want. And so there we are. The problem is getting scale there. 
because you know now you have people who do that news consumption because everyone knows still 60 70 percent you know they get a lot from social media because it's quick and easy and it's right in front of them but even that said some of the recent polls when it comes to uh, the pew um, research center point to a lot drifting lower still pretty high usage when it comes to the likes of facebook and instagram mind you TikTok just recently wrote a little bit about that. It's actually gone up a bit, but not that much from a you know, 28 to 30% level of their content that people will observe. So there is some interest in it. It's whether or not publishers can like really tune in and finally hone what message people really want to see. Perhaps they need to be more entertained, I believe. Maybe they're not entertained enough with snazzy uh, headline writing from the fact-checking sites themselves. Everything needs attention, and uh, yeah, it's how you get it. And you don't really know, even if you do go to a fact-check site, how do you know if the fact-check site is? Well, there's so much cynicism going on out there, and there's also this phenomenon, as you said, about really just wanting to hear what you want to hear anyway, in a lot of cases. That's why you have to be as straight as possible. But if you are straight as possible, it's going to be kind of boring. It's kind of boring. If I'm going to waste my time going to a fact-checking site. I kind of also want to be entertained. There are sites out there who actually will complement some of the uh, print-based efforts that they do with some video, which actually is a good alternative because we're all sight, sound, emotion kind of stuff. When it comes to TV, why not? That, you know, that, that might keep our interest just a little while longer. But it's tough, you know, also, especially with political ads, it's impossible to really gauge where things are. And it's interesting because I always thought that in the political ads, people after a while, which is, which not really give much attention to because, you know, they can get their side of the story, what maybe they really want to hear, or what they believe might be true from their social media posts. So that's why they still reign pretty strong. Right. I'm curious. You know, here you say people want to be entertained. I thought people wanted to be educated. I don't, know. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. Sometimes they want a story. They want a story. If people believe the elections are stolen in certain areas of the country, they want to believe there's a good story, like someone's walking around with a briefcase full right. of empty ballots. Right. And or so, wow, that's, that must be true. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> first of all, first of all, if you want to get people to do widespread, and maybe you can, you have to have everyone along the line not thinking anyone out. That's a lot of people <laughs> along the way, especially when you have in this country many different elections and, and how things are separated from the world. So every state does their own thing. Every county does their own thing, pretty much. I mean, how, how they do it, paid ballots, not different timing. So you need a lot of people to go along with this every step of the way. That's difficult. Yeah. You know, having less than ideal candidates is certainly a threat to our country's leadership, ultimately, in our future direction. But frankly, it seems even more scary to me to have people who are either A, not capable of educating themselves on the issues from a substantive, material, and legitimate standpoint, that seems even scarier because now you got these people who are either A, as you say, looking for entertainment, or B, looking for just what they want to hear, and the candidate that'll give it to them, entertain them, draw them in, they're in, in a community then, that all, you know, all loving each other and loving the whatever it is that they're rebel-rousing about, and uh, there's no substance behind it, and it can be worse than that, it can be nefarious, it can be leading us in the wrong direction. So, sure. it's really scary. It's really scary, you know, when we go to pull that lever, as they say, metaphorically speaking, you know, we want to make sure that we've got people who are informed, you know, vote this way, vote that way. That's your business. Make sure you're making a good, sound vote, though. 
Well, and to build on what you said, I think it's very interesting that maybe people, you know, have a zillion referendums. You know, I live in L.A., you know, or, or a zillion candidates or judges, lower level, that they don't know about. In some regards, if you don't know, maybe don't vote that. But vote for the, vote for the things that you know are pretty sure that you know, you know, deep down, you know, even with their faults. I mean, even with their faults, you have candidates probably... I don't like to do this. I don't like to do that. But overall, I I like so. Therefore, you've done a little more homework than just cursorily looking and and pulling the lever because they may have a D or an R under their name. Yeah. To send us off, give us a quick tip. If you were talking to a relative who said, "Hey, Wayne, give me some guidance. Just give me the one, two, three. What do I do to figure out how to vote on this issue?" What would you say? Let's see. I think perhaps if you go to listen to, say, a cable TV news network or your favorite social media site, I try to go to one or two, I guess, sort of not tangential sites. You're struggling and you've researched this issue. That's how hard it is for us. That is really, Absolutely. that's unbelievable. We want to vote. We want right. to vote, you know, a sound vote, as I said. And as I know you know, too. But there should be an easy step one, step two, step three. Here's the bottom line. Figure out which side you come down on the issue. There should be, but, you know, you know, as journalists know, you probably know, journalists, we have to go through things over and over again. Yeah. Sometimes the simplest of stories. Sometimes my editor says to me, I want you to write this, and I come up with it, and I try to dig for other stuff to complement what's there, even though sometimes the stories are just are going to be light to begin with. So... Even for the simplest things that I do reporting on in other areas, on TV and advertising, I have to try to find ways to confirm it or at least expound on what I think is the news to give it better context. It's hard to give it better context. I mean, giving it better context, that means you have to do the extra work right there. So I would suggest to people, you know, and I've said this before in the column, you have to be a little bit of a journalist. And it's going to take a little bit of work. So take a little bit. You know, may not be necessarily, but try to go to some places that m maybe you don't normally visit. And it, those sites may not be too good either, but at least it's like, okay, it gets me thinking. It's the opposite side. I'm not too sure of it. Maybe it goes someplace else. But at least then what you're learning is a process that maybe the process is not going to be quick and easy. And I love what you said. If you aren't able to find out the information, if you aren't able to get that level of confidence, you've got a handle on this one way or the other. Don't vote on that issue. And I think that's good advice. Right. Listen, Wayne Friedman, thank you very much for uh, bringing this issue to a greater level of awareness and appreciate you being on. Sure, absolutely. No problem. Wayne Friedman, you are the West Coast editor of Media Post covering this issue. Headed to a break right now. Back with more in a minute right here on the Pre W. Smith Show.